Ah, close to retirement, or retired already? Time to live the good life, right? Well, you're no longer earning money. You're now withdrawing money each month. And your broker is also withdrawing each month from your account as much as 2 to 3%. And if the market drops, your broker continues to withdraw. Wait a minute. How do we navigate these challenges? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on the show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, CA Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, CA Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. My name is Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions loves you. That's us. We love having you here. Uh, part of the reason that I think shows like this are important is for you to learn. And to learn a little bit, of course, we have access to the Internet today where you can learn just about anything about anything pretty much within a few seconds. Uh, The skill set of how to search, the skill set of what to ask is really the question. On uh, one of my radio shows, I interviewed uh, the former CEO of Apple Computer and um, Mr. Cook. And I said, uh, you know, what is the – what? He was 70 years old. He had just written a book. I said, what are some of the things that, that you see going on in the future? What do you see as the next thing? And he said, Arif, you know, one of the most important things that we can see on an ongoing basis is that people think that the future has something to do with answers. And that's not the case. I said, what? He said, the, all of the questions that have ever been asked have an answer. That means... If there's a question that is on your mind, just search. It's there. I mean, you understand that. That's pretty important. So when we go through this and we say, how do you decide what makes this next step of your financial life important or society or Social Security or pensions? He said, you know, the biggest deal isn't so much having the answers to questions, we have those. He said, the biggest, (laughs) the biggest question is what questions are we going to ask? The next generation needs to know how to ask questions. It's not the answers anymore. It's about the questions. And I didn't understand that at first. I thought, well, you know, what is he talking about? And what does he mean? And, um, you know, I I thought to myself for a minute, what is the next step? And he said, it's all about when and where. When and where? I said, when and where what? When are people going to ask the right questions and where are the answers going to be found? So I thought that was incredible. We don't even know the questions to ask because that should be the search. It was the search before was finding answers. So I I follow down that road because I need you to pay attention for a second. In your financial life, sometimes... If you think that the the problem to solve is 
what questions, uh, sorry, what answers to the questions you already have about your retirement life. So how much am I going to need in retirement? What are taxes going to be like? We know what those answers are. We can search. We can find them. I'm going to touch on some of those. Where where can I live? What will it be like uh, when I stop working and, and how much money and how do I make sure since I've been retired for a while that I continue to be able to receive the same kind of income? Okay, so so that's something we'll work on. But the questions that you didn't even know you need to, to ask would be things like, how am I going to still be relevant? How am I still going to be important? You don't even know that's a thing yet. And I think enough people need to have that answer so that you don't end up saying, you know, your family's future, your family's financial life are built around what? The decisions that you make. They're built around the answers that you've already created. So just kind of be careful as you move forward. Make sure you don't end up, uh, you know, making mistakes that are, that are deep, that go on forever. When Paul Cook wrote his book, he wrote it on Steve Jobs' innovations at Apple, his time at Apple, what that was like. And he took it to the next level. And he said, the next gen- generation needs to know. What are the questions to even ask? Okay, so that's important. I like it. But here was a 70-year-old man at the time. He's got to be 72 maybe by now. A 70-year-old man at the time who was thinking that much further ahead in technology. How much more are our 25 and 35-year-olds thinking? So technology is definitely going to play a role in your retirement life, how quickly things happen, how things change. So today I want to talk about two things. Some of the questions you need to ask in retirement, number one. And then the second half of the show, I need to touch on a little bit more about some of the the folks, organizations, companies that you've trusted and give you an idea of what Wall Street has been going through in the last, oh, let's say just five years, not even back to 2008, just the last five years. The amount of SEC penalties, what happens to the money, right? How, how is it that these companies can be fined millions of dollars, sometimes tens of millions of dollars, and the people that made the decisions are still there working? They're like, wait a second, what, what are you doing? What, why is it, uh, you know, why didn't somebody go to jail, right? You've heard me say this before. In China, when a corporation does such an egregious failure, instead of firing the person <laughs> And giving them stock options and a house in the Hamptons. In China, they kill them. They put them in prison and then they execute them. It's a pretty incredible. Uh, of course, I'm not saying that's what we should do, but just understand that the same crime in some places, quote, civilized communities, is treated differently. So we'll get into that as well. All right, here's some of these questions that I think you need to ask. Hey, hey, Arif, I'm going to retire. Where should I move to? Should I stay here? Well, I always want you to focus on the first thing that you're going to deal with all of the time. What is the one thing you deal with in retirement, even out of retirement, uh, you know, before retirement, after? All, every day, all the time. Number one, it's weather. It's not your family. You know, you're not going to see them every single minute of every single day, but you deal with the weather every day. 
So that is a very, you don't even pay taxes. At least you don't feel it every single day. When you do, it's a big hit. We understand. So figure out what physical ailments, what your uh, sense of normalcy is when it comes to weather. Certainly there's nothing that can beat California. But it's always striking to me when you look at Southern California weather and other parts of the country, right? We have a cold ocean. Because we have a cold ocean, we don't have the level of humidity that you would if you lived on the coast of Florida, for example, or the Gulf. Now, if humidity is something you really don't want to deal with because the water's warmer there, then, you know, you start eliminating. That's why people are moving to North Carolina because it's just far enough up the coast. The water's starting to cool down. Humidity is certainly less, especially if you get inland and up, up in elevation a little bit. And you're dealing with weather every single day. So take a look at where you want to live. Because the retirement time of your life should be, better be, a very, very interesting, exciting time. And I'm going to give you a word of caution. Because I see it. Both in my my personal family life, I see it with our clients. If you're somebody who says, and I'm going to retire, and then you sit at home and you stay in your pajamas until noon... And the only thing you have to look forward to is the next holiday or birthday or weekend. Why do you think senior citizens arrive early to things? People think, oh, well, they just have so much uh, uh, integrity in making sure they arrive early. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you, I've heard that from them specifically. It's like, I've been looking forward to this for three weeks. Of course I arrived early, right? I don't want it to be, oh, the next uh, doctor's appointment or hair appointment. That's That's the big thing in your calendar. Of course, I don't want you showing up at work at 6 o'clock in the morning, right? That same old mindset of, I better do something 24 hours a day. Of course not. But keep in mind that you have to be somewhere. Somebody counts on you to do something. And if you're going to move to a place where you can be active, you can be involved. A lot of us will sleep in on the weekends. A lot of us will stay in our pajamas until 11 or 12 noon or, or a rainy, foggy afternoon and just sit by the fire. I get it. But what I don't want you to do is to think you've entered a cul-de-sac of life. Because the hardest thing, listen, you can spend a little bit more, spend a little bit less. You can live within your means. Hey, listen, Eric, I need $20,000 a month to live. Okay. What are your food, shelter, clothing? Well, it's $4,000. Okay. So 20 is nice. Four is what you need. Somewhere in between there is called fun. Somewhere in between there is a lifestyle that is exciting and involved. Now, that might mean volunteering at a school for young people. Staying around young people really keeps you active, doesn't it? It keeps your mind sharp. It keeps you involved with the trends. What's happening? Why is life so exciting? What are they, what are they so excited about? Right? I thought it was all over. And these young people are still interested in something. Their energy is off the charts. Don't fall victim just like a four-year-old or a 12-year-old. Don't fall victim to that cell phone. If your head is down, they can time this stuff now. I don't know. I'm sure it's public pressure from Apple. And I'm sure Samsung now has it as well as the other other phones. Um, But you should be able to decide how how long am I on the line? How, How long am I on my phone? 
four hours a day, 10 hours a day. Set some limits for yourself. Because just like a young person can be wrapped up into the, the games and the texting, so can a senior citizen. You could be sitting down at that phone playing a mindless game. Now, look, I've read the studies. Oh, Eric, you don't understand. It helps keep me from becoming, a, you know, Alzheimer patient or something. Okay, maybe. But I don't want you to think that all uh, life is in this little uh, six square inch unit in front of your face, right? There's more to life. There's more to be interested in. There's more to involved and interact with people. There's a reason that senior citizen rates of suicide have been climbing at an alarming rate. There's a reason that senior citizens uh, are, uh, are just unhappy. Depression is huge. Divorces. It's called the graying of divorce. Many articles about that. How many people are married 30, 40 years? And they say, you know, I'm just done. I don't want to be married anymore. That's a huge change to society. So family is the second thing you're going to deal with every day. Whether it's the person in your house, whether it's your daughter who lives six blocks away, Family is something you're going to deal with every day. So where do you choose to move? I think weather has to play a role in it. If you have arthritis, if you have certain lung ailments, you might need to move in certain parts of the, of the country. Your family, though, and maybe it's friends that become family. You treat them like family. That means you have a depth of level of forgiveness that you wouldn't necessarily have with a casual friend. That means you have a depth, a, a depth of tolerance that you probably wouldn't have as a with a friend because you have to have that layer of understanding of confidence of protection of each other's conf- uh, uh, privacy and secrets right the confidence that you can share things and know that it's not going to be uh, you know it's just not going to be put out there in the in the internet universe I think social media has an amazing role to play I think like anything good, it can be used for bad. And unfortunately today, it's used for bad more often than I, I care to admit. I've seen people uh, that uh, trust it for everything. It's their newspaper. It's their phone calling of their friends. It's their lunch meetings. Everything is around that same device. So as a senior, give yourself some time with it. That's fine. It's a new device. It's fun. It's exciting. But decide when you're going to be done with it. Now, the other extreme, we had somebody in recently. She says, I can't even spell email. I'm like, so you don't have an email address? Nope. Uh, do you have a computer? Nope. Last time I turned on a computer was 1994 or something. I'm okay. So uh, I think you, you miss out on certain things if society is moving in one direction. I get it. You want to hold on to Green Acres and and Ozzy and Harriet, those are wonderful times in life, but, but it's just, no, you can't. You'll be on an island that uh, is ever increasingly shrinking. So part of what we need to do is say, okay, if I'm going through life, if I'm going through this process of time, how do I stay involved with people? Well, make sure you have enough money to retire so you can do the things you want to do. And I mentioned, you know, there's a dollar figure per month that you're going to need. I like those dollar figures a month to come in from guaranteed sources, meaning 
okay, you're going to have Social Security, maybe a small pension, maybe a big pension. You're also hopefully will have some sort of rental property or some sort of investment uh, asset that is not correlated, meaning it's not in the same bucket as the stock market. Now, most of history, except for 2008-9, the stock market and the real estate market were never correlated, meaning they didn't go up and down at the same time. They often acted like a teeter-totter. One went up, one went down. So if you owned both and the market was down in one side, you could sell or live off the money from the other side. So very important, you realize. The normal, at least it changed in 2008. Maybe it's going to change more going forward. I don't know. But there's a, there's a source of income you're going to need to live on. And maybe part of this is to get rid of some of the expenses. Look at your checking account, your savings account. Today's small business loves to auto-debit you. Whether it's something you bought online, whether it's a membership at a gym, they love to auto-debit you because you are their retirement plan. Even if it's $22 a month, $200 a month, whatever it is, They count on you to make their retirement. And if you are using their services and the discounts are clean and fair and the convenience is there, fantastic. But pay attention to those numbers because it will eat you alive. They will slowly become $500 and then become $1,000. And before you know it, you may have a dozen of these little auto deposit or auto withdrawal things from car wash memberships to uh, video services to the internet uh, plans that you have or movie channels. You can have all sorts of things that eat up your your accounts very quickly. Okay, so consider that. In addition to all of those things, make sure that you're living in a place that works for you. I was with a friend recently, uh, and they're remodeling their home. It's a beautiful house. Well, he's 70, and she's uh, certainly younger, but in their case, they're not going to get any younger. In both In both of their cases, there may be some physical ailments in the future. And as they're remodeling the house, I said, hey, have you guys an elevator? And he said, wow, uh, you know, we have friends that are doing that now. We're not sure where we would put it. And I said, well, do you guys plan on staying here? Because it's a beautiful two-story home. You, do you plan on staying here through retirement? They said, oh, yeah, we hope to die in this house. Well, this is the time. If you are in the middle of remodeling, you may want to consider this is the time to put in an elevator, right? The, those wonderful chair, uh, chair rails that go up the outside of your staircases are, are just uh, very effective, but quite unsightly for a lot of people. And they're not interested in because it can impact how wide the stairs are. And it's just not a, it's not a favorite means of spending two and a half weeks to get upstairs, right? They don't move very fast. So you want to consider this while you're still young, and if you're thinking about staying in a home, look, it'll prevent you from having to go out and buy a smaller home or a single-story home. Because with that comes real estate fees. With that comes real estate commissions and and, um, mortgage fees and all the stuff that comes with buying or selling a new home. uh, So if you do the math on that, you say, what is 6% of my home? Because that's the real estate commission generally, five or six. And they say, oh, it's this much price. And if you can get an elevator installed, done, key locked in, done in your home for less money, then that should be a no-brainer answer, right? 
Now, there's sometimes other reasons why you want to move, but make sure you're close enough to your friends, your family, the hospital. You like the weather. If this is the place, if this is the place that you're going to be, then I need you to consider yourself two things. Number one, this is the option. I'm going to live here. And I like it. I like my doctors. I like the hospitals. I like everything. This is the place that you can age and age well. Then that might be the answer for you. And part of the discussion about where and how you're going to live and retire is answered. Right? Don't spend a lot of time. In, now, you can travel. You can vacation. You can spend two weeks over here and a, and a month uh, in the south or the north. or That's fine. The lake house. Those are all wonderful things. But don't forget that elevator. I think it's a wise move. We've seen them. I've seen them work. They're pretty incredible. Actually, of course, today go online, you know, elevators for my house or whatever. And what you'll see, which is pretty incredible, they look like the old uh, Jetsons, you know, clear tubes where the person gets sucked up into the space or up into the uh, the car. Or, or they look like those hamster tubes. Remember those? <laughs> it's always funny to see those. You go, wait. And they're always enough for the size of a wheelchair and one or two people. And of course, you can get them larger. But they have a minimum size for safety. And, and I don't know. I like those as an option. Then spending the 6% commission on one end to sell your house uh, and, and to go buy one that's a single story. Right? It doesn't, if you have a $500,000 house, 6% is $30,000. So if you're selling a, fi- a half a million dollar house, Everything that I have seen, you can put in an elevator for about half that or less. And you don't have to move and spend the moving fees, which are probably going to be five to 10000 So if this is the right place, I like it. Consider staying there. Okay, so you've heard me talk about when people should retire. Well, I brought up the idea of purpose, right? There has to be a purpose in retirement. When folks come to us, and here, let me give you my number again, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-99-RETIRE. Okay, so when folks come in and they say, Eric, I don't even know how much I need to retire. I just keep saving. So think of it like this. They're running a race, and the race never ends. That means they're running the race, and it's this, there's never a finish line. So what we do is we establish a finish line based on the numbers that you need to retire. We say, okay, here's the number that, that you need to, to have saved based on what you've told us, based on how much you want to spend. We might factor in a little bit of inflation. We might factor in a, you know, a couple of uh, hiccups along the way. So we, we give ourselves a little cushion. And we say, here's the number. And let's say that the number is this proverbial million dollars. All right, we have a million dollars. And you have 1.3 million saved. And you're 57. Can I retire, Arif? Yeah. Yeah, you're done. Everything we said we needed between your pension, your social security, your debts paid off or mostly. Yeah, you can retire. You're done. Now you say, but I don't think I'm ready to retire. Okay, that's fine. No problem. But that's a completely different animal. And it's completely different. I'm okay with that. But just know that in the end, you're now working because you want to work. You know, we had this uh, with a uh, police officer for here in Southern California, and the, the law enforcement officer 
was uh, a motorcycle officer, right? It's a pretty dangerous job, actually. There's all, you've heard the story, right? In motorcycle riders, there's always there's two of them, ones that have already crashed and one that's about to crash. It's pretty, pretty scary, a little bit funny, uh, I don't know, ironic. I've had plenty of friends. If you've been on live on this earth for more than 30 years, you've probably known somebody that's crashed on a motorcycle. So now add in the element of being in law enforcement, and it's a pretty dangerous job. And I remember, so he came in and we did the math and we, with his pension and his savings and debt and all of that stuff. So I said, um, okay, right now you're riding the motorcycle and you're working for $1.90 an hour. He said, what? I go, that's, what, <laughs> that's the trade-off. You are making $1.90 an hour more by working than if you were retired. So you're doing that. Does that work for you? Putting your life on the line and riding a motorcycle around uh, Southern California and chasing bad guys? And, you know, it's important you know the answer. So if I say, hey, listen, you're driving to downtown L.A. or to downtown Long Beach and you're doing this every single day or you're on the freeways and you're doing it for $275 a month, that's the difference in... Does that work for you? You need to know that answer. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Arif Hallaby. Stay with us. We've got some more when we come back. On the Total Financial Hour, I'm Arif Hallaby. On AM870, The Answer. Learn from Arif Hallaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halliday, the Total Financial Hour. 888-99-RETIRE. That's our number, 888-997-3847. 999-RETIRE. Uh, it works all week long, too, of course, guys, because it, it goes directly to my office as well. So if you have a question... Uh, of course, if we're not there, we usually stay until at least 6 p.m. or so. Uh, you can leave a message. All right. I wanted to talk to you about as we're building up towards retirement, we need to understand a little bit about the, the macro, which means the larger economic system and the scale of things that are happening. Uh, this fight about tariffs and Donald Trump tariff this and tariff that. Let's let's kind of figure out what this is. So you, a, a tariff is when you are putting a tax on the goods and services brought in from another country. People in, and uh, do this, countries do this, to protect their own industries. That means if they were involved in a scenario where you had a small industry, you were trying to build up your textile industry, you had startup companies, the United States is a, is a new company, uh, a new country, trying to build up its manufacturing. So it says, I'm going to encourage the people within our borders to buy the products and services made within our borders. But if you're a very mature country like England was, and, is, and they're bringing in goods and services, they can do it better quality sometimes, less money sometimes, than a new struggling country and manufacturing base here in the United States. So we would say, we're going to tax you guys more money. It slows down you bringing in products into our country so that we have time to build it up. Okay. So that's the mindset, the reason behind the tariff. To give internal country uh, manufacturing base a chance to mature. 
So now fast forward to 2019 and you have China in the case. China is an amazing country, very industrious people, very smart people, very proud people. And understand there isn't just one China. You can travel throughout China. There are different dialects, different people look differently. They have different cultures, different customs. Uh, China was a combination. In fact, it was a, a group of Asian people that were wrapped up into one over the last couple centuries. And as that began to take place and you have one China, one group of people, they were young. They were new. They were starting out. So the world said, okay, well, listen, we're going to give China a chance to build up its manufacturing companies, its industry, its development, its farming, its, its, its labor force, kind of clean up things, get it, get it on track. Today, that part of China is well within maturity. Today, for us to sell things to them, they have had a trade war on us for decades You guys, it's so funny. You want to blame Donald Trump for the trade war. Do you realize it's been going on for 40 years? We just haven't fired a shot. The other side is. They're the ones invading, taking lands. They're firing a shot. In in the sense of war, using the metaphors of war, they have conquered territory and we have sat back sitting on our hands. Because listen, they're new, they're young, they're giving it a shot, they're trying, they're building. However, in the last... 30, 40, 50 years, China has developed its manufacturing base at a much greater level than most other countries, certainly in the region, if not in the world. They don't have the same environmental restrictions. They don't have the same restrictions of of access to capital, which means, hey, I want to build a new factory. The government of China says, yep, this is best for us. Here's the money. As opposed to if you're Ford or General Motors or Apple computer and you're trying to build a new factory in the United States, you have to raise up the money, you have to go to the banks, you have to plead your case. That's a different story than if you're a company within a communist-run organization or, or in this case, nation. That's the problem, is that China has uh, given unlimited access to its manufacturing base to grow their systems, to buy, oh, we need to buy Caterpillar, we need to buy uh, uh, manufacturing machines or computers from Dell or doesn't matter. They just buy them. There's no restriction of, well, we got to raise the funds. We have to plead our case. We have to go around the country and speak to potential investors or mutual fund managers or no, 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 no. They just say, China, we need money. And they give them the money. So this is important to know because there has been tariffs on the United States goods and services to China forever. For, for for decades, guys, as long as most of you have been paying attention to this stuff on this earth, working, having a life. So if you try to sell goods and services that Americans make with American know-how and American hardworking labor and et cetera, and we go to China and we say, they'd say, oh, we're going to have to charge you three times, four times, whatever the tariff is. No, 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 but we can sell it for $100. They said it doesn't matter. We're going to charge you $300 for you to be able to sell it for $100. You say, well, then i got to charge the people $400. So if you are in that country and you have a choice to buy something that is locally made for $150, but from our goods and service, we could have sold it to you for $100, but with all the taxes and tariffs, it's no longer attractive. 
So American companies don't enter that market. This matters a lot because China is not the only one. It just happens to be the one that's the, the biggest bully in the block right now. Biggest disparity between, oh, poor little old me and one of the largest militaries and most vocal and aggressive uh, internet military hacking uh, organizations, state-sponsored, in the world, probably in the history of the world. Here's a good example. Well, maybe if we were friendlier with them, that would help me. Well, Canada comes along, and they decided to have strict, oh, somewhere between 200 and 300% cost added to the dairy, the milk products that come from the United States. In other words, what Canada's job is to protect their dairy farmers. Forget the fact that they are not a new startup country. Forget the fact that they are a mature and should be able to compete. Get better, folks. That's the whole idea. Get better. We have a a client whose son used to work up in the northwest of the of, um, United States, up in Washington, Oregon area. And he worked for a big box store. And what he said that was funny is he said uh, uh, every week, Sikhs, uh, Indian Sikhs, would drive down with big trucks and they would load up milk from these big box stores, from these you know warehouse uh, membership club stores, loaded up with milk products, thousands of dollars. Refrigeration trucks, right? U-Haul rental type trucks and drive them back over the border. Why? Because it's so inexpensive to buy it. If we tried to sell it over the border, it's $11 a gallon for, for milk. And they can come here and they use milk in cooking, apparently, and in some of their rituals. Uh, so that's a religious rituals. So it's an important part of their their daily life. So they just come across the border and they buy out all of the grocery stores and they come down as far as Oregon because it isn't just one group that does it. They come all the way down through the south of the of the state just to pick up milk and milk products. So President Trump says, look, enough is enough, you guys. Now, maybe we'll, we'll settle on some sort of a number. But you've heard me talk about this before. It isn't just Canada. It's Mexico. It's other countries that'll try to put tariffs and try to control things. Look, uh, NAFTA, this is after NAFTA, by the way. I mean, do you understand that? NAFTA is supposed to make it fair. No, no, no. What it did is it punished the United States. It said, we'll take the punishment. You guys get the goodies. So guess what they did with, with the automobiles? Where do you think they make them? Oh, south of the border. So labor is cheap. Land is cheap. Environmental regulations, some cases, don't exist. Taxes are very cheap. So they can make the same vehicle, drive it 50 miles across the border, and sell it to you. So an American worker now, tough luck. You are making $52 an hour. You make nothing. So what we say is, look, if you want to have part of this go through and, quote, be fair trade, then let it be fair. But we have been the, the tall kid in junior high who gets picked on, who was told by his mom and dad, hey, don't, don't defend yourself. You're big. Be, be nice to those little kids. And the little kids are picking on them and picking on them. And eventually, the young man says, wait a second, I'm supposed to be your punching bag? I'm, 
I'm supposed to be your trash can. You got to dump stuff on me. Forget that. So you may not like his style, but why do you think this affects you? When you're ready to retire, you're getting through this financial part of your life. Why do you think it affects you? Because it all comes down to buying things at the store cheap. And listen, I use cheap as far as quality, inexpensive as far as price. I try to be clear with that. So your goal is to buy cheap and sometimes inexpensive quality uh, or inexpensive items at the store. Go to go to Walmart's or, or Kohl's department. Look at how's a shirt less money today than it was when I was young grow, growing up. How is a shirt uh, $12? Right? Walk, walk into these stores. Remember, they had to pay the truck driver to bring it. They had to pay the person to stock the shelf. They have to pay the person to stand around until it sells. So there's a carrying cost. They had to pay the person to manufacture it. They had to pay for the, the thread and the textile. They had to pay the electric bill, the gasoline tax for the big rig to bring it. And they can still afford to, quote, make a profit at $12? Is there somewhere in your mind saying, yay, I got a shirt at a discount. You took my job. At least I can buy it with unemployment money. So if we want a fair, and I really hate that word. I call it the F word in my family because there's no such thing. But if you want a fairer, maybe that's the right word. If you want a fairer chance, then you may end up having to pay $15 for that shirt or 25 I don't know. Well, things are going to go up in price. You know, Donald Trump. Listen, the, the far left has lost credibility. They have. Because instead of saying, hey, he does this right and he does this wrong. Instead, it's he's always wrong. Well, you guys are smarter than that. Right? Don't believe your lying eyes. It's the king has no clothes. Right? After a while, you're, you're saying, gosh, you know what? I'm, I'm seeing that childhood book, right? And the king walks down the street and, they're, and they try, oh, you, you look amazing. Those are wonderful garments. And he's not wearing anything. You say, well, if we just all lie big enough, if the left lies to you long enough, you're not going to believe your checkbook. You're not going to believe that our military men and women are home at a much greater rate than they have been in probably 30 years. And they're not on the other side of the world where we're rebuilding bridges and schools for other countries. I think you kind of have to to weigh and see where am I willing to, to land? You know, where am I willing to, I don't know, decide on what's valuable? So I told you I'd talk about Wall Street, some of the fines that are happening on Wall Street. I think you have to realize that a lot of these organizations that are involved with managing your retirement accounts, they're not bad people. I mean, I don't know everybody, so maybe they are. But but what I do see is this. I see that every few months, somebody somewhere is getting a fine, sometimes every day. The SEC's fine, enforcement actions. They go after large companies, finds Wall Street nearly half the time it doesn't even collect. This is May 2019. So why would they not even collect? I don't know. They're pretty powerful. The Securities Exchange Commission can go after bad guys all day long. And even people that just make a mistake. But $125 million to clients over fee disclosure practices. 
That means they didn't even tell you. I have been telling you for 15 years that Wall Street is hiding the fees that they charge you. Now, I don't think they're they're being dirty. I just think they just hit them. Why? Because they can. Their job isn't to take care of you. They're good people. Maybe they love their their they love God and puppy dogs and walks in the park and all of those nice things. But their job isn't to take care of you. Otherwise, that's how they would be paid. It's not a secret. Make me money, you get paid. Don't make me money, I pay you nothing. That's not how it works. It's hold my money, get paid. Lose my money, get paid. Make my money grow, get paid. So when when are you going to say, okay, it's worth it? Well, do the math. What I've always encouraged you to do, I've had this account error for seven years. Great. What I've always encouraged you to do is go back to the beginning of that account. How much did you put in? What is it today? So in other words, there should be a positive number. Hopefully there's a growth. And then what are the fees that I've paid from the beginning? And then add them up every quarter, every month. Add them, add them, add them, all up. And what you'll find, at least this has been my experience, including yesterday, we reviewed a client's account. He made $65,000 in seven years. He's paid $33,000 in fees. So that means he's made probably right around 100. They kept a third and they gave him two-third, two-thirds. Right? So, and they do it by just charging a fee. It's only 1%. It's only one and a half. Every single day, every single month, quarter, whatever. It doesn't change. This was 80 investment advisory firms agreed to pay back $125 million to clients who were steered into higher cost mutual funds without being clearly told about cheaper versions. The result of a government effort to persuade financial firms to self-report misconduct. So that means if you find something wrong, if you're a company that, that um, self-audits and does makes mistakes, then what you do is you go in and you correct it. And when you report it on yourself, the fees are supposed to be lower. Well, that's nice. Well, uh, Wells Fargo agreed to refund about $17.4 million. That's the highest of any of the companies. Uh, what do you have? RBC Capital, LPL, Raymond James, uh, on and on. Ones you know about. Deutsche Bank, Oppenheimer, Transamerica. These aren't small companies. Millions and millions of dollars. And this is, look, the system is designed for them to tell you fees one time, usually maybe once a year. Oh, but I don't see them on my statement, line item fee. That's not how it works. You would, you would think it's supposed to be that way. What they should do is say, hey, Arif, you bought this account January 1st, 2007. You have put in a total of 140000 It has grown to a total of 250000 Your total fees to make that difference is this. That is how I think... The statement should be done. Very clean, very simply, one page. The total amount you've put in, the total amount that it's grown to, and what it's cost you to get there. So that you can look at it and go, hey, you know, that's a pretty good deal. I'll take it. There are some investment guys that do amazing jobs. They're good people. Good job. Great. Make me money. And there are some, as indicated by the Wall Street Journal and other other uh, publications, where people have been taken 
for millions, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars in fees that they shouldn't have had to pay. So be very careful. About a year and a half ago, three Wall Street banks were fined a substantial amount of money. Now, when you say, what does that mean, a Wall Street bank? Well, these are banks that a lot of people visit, they go to. But keep in mind that a Wall Street bank is a little different than the bank at, at in other words, if, if you're going to, to go to your local branch, it's not always the same. I'll give you an example. A gentleman uh, says, hey, Eric, I went and made my deposit at, at Bank of Whatever, and I was going to put in 100000 into my savings account. And they said, uh, the teller said, well, why don't you go over there and talk to that lady at the desk over? Oh, why? Well, she has great plans, and she can help get you a higher interest rate. All right, so he walks over there. Now, it still says the name of the bank in the name on the statement. But it says the name securities afterwards. Right? So it says, so-and-so bank securities. Now, when I think secure, I think, well, it's protected. When I think secure, I'm thinking, well, that's safe. When I think secure, I'm thinking with a lock and key. But it's not the same definition. When they say securities... That means your money can be at risk, and maybe you'll make a lot of money. Maybe you'll be the person who picks the right stock. See, our job is not to make you lots of money. I'm going to tell you that. Our job is to keep what you have and to keep you from going broke. I think what Warren Buffett said is key. What will determine your wealth is simple. It's going to be the spouse you choose, your financial habits, and the career path you've chosen. That's what will determine your wealth not getting in on an IPO of a small company that's just created a new way to to you know write with ink out of air or something i think that the idea or the goal for folks that want to work with us is to protect what they've earned to grow it with reasonable rates of return and on the other end to become something if you will better than the than when they started and at least when the market drops and goes to the floor there's no loss they're not going backwards they're not losing that's a, that's a different job, right? Our job is different. It's not to say we're going to average 27% returns over, no. Because if you want huge rates of return, you're going to have to take huge risks. And if you do, and you say, okay, I'm willing to do that, no problem. Then you don't play with, right? You don't play with money that you're supposed to keep protected. You play with money that you're willing to lose, right? Not, not money that is, you're willing to say, hey, I can't wait when I'm ready to retire. This money is going to buy my beach house <laughs> or this money is going to be used for my um, oh, income, right? For a lot of you, the income that you have on each and every day, we, we can't take a chance on that. There's no, hey, hey I'm going to worry about Someday it might make a living. No, no, no. We have to go through and say, how do we create wealth? Well, it's going to be your habits, the spouse you've chosen. And it's going to be, believe it or not, not losing. Right? Rule number one, don't lose my money. 
Rule number two. See rule number one. <laughs> was it? Uh, oh, gosh, you guys don't know who he is. It wasn't Gene Autry who said uh, uh, rule number one is to not lose my money. Rule number two is don't lose my money. I'm not so oh, I think it was a, I'm not so concerned about the rate of return of my money. I'm concerned of the return of my money. Something to that effect. He was one of the cowboy heroes about 100 years ago. Uh, that is important to realize that speculation can be a good place for some or part of your money, just like protection can be a good place for some or part of your money. That's what Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial and Insurance Services does. Our job is to protect what you want to keep safe, grow it with reasonable returns, never go backwards. Right? Liquidity. Oh, I want to access all of it. Well, you don't get it. There's no perfect investment. You want to access 8, 10, 12% per year? You can probably do that. 10% a year without any fee? No problem. In some cases, you're going to say, I don't need it for five years. Great. There's some great accounts out there. I don't need it for 10, or I want to start taking income, but in six, seven years. Or this money is for my spouse. So when I pass away, it's supposed to go to her and make sure that I can have or she can have her money protected. Right? She can have a lifestyle. All right, guys, I want to thank you for being with us. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's our number, total financial solutions. And part of that is to say, listen, at TFS Financial and Insurance Services, our job is to use protection products, safeties, getting it right by not losing. All right. Try to make that clean for you. Hey, thanks for listening. 888-99-RETIRE. You can always get a hold of us, uh, of course, on the web, uh, tfswealth.com. It stands for Total Financial Solutions. So tfswealth.com. I'm Arif Hallaby. You're listening to The Answer on AM870. Thanks for being with me. The Total Financial Hour, TFS Financial Insurance Services. I'm Arif Hallaby. Have a great day. Learn from Arif Hallaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.